now recording. Oh, I missed that voice. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even use it, though, for most of... <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> there was a point in the Discord server that, like, our friends, our friend group Discord server, though, where we had Craig in there because we were thinking, we we had the thought of like, oh, we're really funny people. We should just start recording <laughs> shit out of nowhere. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> we we would often just like have Craig come in as a joke for five seconds and then quit. Um, and so the like the whole like now recording in like three different pitches was like a meme basically (laughs) (laughs) do you remember how we start episodes did we just like kind of talk until we realized we were in the episode or do we actually do a thing yeah that's kind of what we did we we talked until we realized it was an episode and then we actually introduced (laughs) it's tough because like i don't have anything to go off of for talking about a new episode anymore it's a shame we don't have any like really strange uh, triple posted Reddit comments to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to pull that up. I didn't. It took. I didn't realize at first that it was posted three times. Wait, what? What comment? I've never seen such a comment. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, right. Yeah, that's not why we're doing this at all. No, 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 no. There's no reason we would record a podcast out of spite. <laughs> Definitely not. We're, we're, we're sane, natural human beings with rational thoughts. Apropos of absolutely nothing. Okay, man, it's <laughs> official. Uh. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, this is the... What, what episode are we on anymore? Is there even a point in numbering them anymore? This is, is it, episode what, like 40? 43. 43? I guess. Wow, that's... Man, we ruined it. 42 was such a good number to stop on. It was. Now we have to do more, like get to like 69 or something and then stop. I mean, I'm in. Hey. <laughs> so yeah, this is episode 43 of Layer of By Layer. Oh, we're in the episode. A, All right. <laughs> we are. I think so. Are we? <laughs> this is episode 43 of Layer by Layer, a 100% cubing podcast with no content unrelated to cubing at all whatsoever. We are recording today on Wednesday, April 26th. Maybe I'll actually get... What if I actually managed to post this today somehow? I don't think I can, but... What if you get what if you get like like chat GPT to edit the podcast for you is that is that something we can do? No, but <laughs> there I think there is a podcast tool that was released recently where you could edit a podcast based on the transcript of it, which I thought was interesting. Oh. I haven't tried it or anything, but it was like you'd put the audio in, it would auto-generate a transcript of it and it was actually like pretty good. It could it could distinguish multiple voices and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I I actually use that for my work. Oh, really? And then you, like, edit the text? Yeah, yeah. I actually, I use that because, um, like, when I started as a grad student, like, we had to just, like, transcribe, like, two-hour-long interviews ourselves. Because we there, there wasn't a lot of that, like, AI and, like, you know, voice recognition stuff. Or at least it wasn't, like, publicly or, like, easily available. But um, I think it's Otter is the service. It's what's used on Zoom recordings, too, when you get, like, a Zoom meeting and have it recorded and output a transcript. But, yeah, I use that for, like, my does it, uh, uh, interviews. Does it does it give you the ability to, like, edit the text and then that edits the audio as well, though? That's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Um, I haven't played around with that. 
I can't remember if that's the service that does do it, but I do use something similar at least for like just extracting a, a starting transcript from interviews that I do. And then basically I can like I can thumb through the like 80% correct interview and when I find something interesting, I can go back and like m- make the transcript more accurate. But yeah. By the way, it's 2023. Is, is it really? Um I don't I think I forgot to say the year when I said the date. So there we yeah. go. We probably don't want to get people too lost. Yeah. You know, all the time travelers that listen to our <laughs> show. You can, you can discuss the show on Reddit at https colon slash slash r-e-d-d-i-t-d-o-t-c-o-m. Wait a minute. <laughs> slash A-R-E slash E-L-A-W-E-E-L-A-W-E-E-L-A-W-E-E-L-A-W-E-E-L-A-W-E-E-L-A-W-E-E-L-A-W-E-E-L-A-W-E-E-L-A-W-E-E-L-A-W-E-
That's a big jump yeah. for one episode. I can't believe yeah. you got a master's in one episode. Uh, what can I say? I'm very efficient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, and now I just have, like, a job. Wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you get a lot done between episodes. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that I have a job now, so. What, what, what's up with you? Yeah, um, I am defending my dissertation in a little less than a month, so that's kind of crazy um especially to think about like the last time we were recording this i was collecting my data for my dissertation so that's nuts but yeah that i have a uh i'm gonna be a uh, professor at the university of illinois uh this fall so i have a job coming but i have uh been out of job effectively uh for the past like year or so uh just to kind of get this dissertation stuff over with so, hey, you moved to Illinois in the past year or yes. a couple years. Yeah, I, we live in the Chicago burbs, um, which is an experience, I guess. I've never really lived in, like, modern suburbia, and <laughs> it's not great. Uh, I mean, it's fine, but I don't know. I'm, a, I'm very much, like, an urbanist kind of person, and so uh, living in, like, car-dependent hell spawns where there are no sidewalks or bike lanes anywhere is a little bit oppressive for me. But, you know, uh, it's it's fine, I guess. The reason we moved here, though, uh, Lauren got a new job. Well, I, I basically got to the point my, with my degree at Portland State that I didn't really ever need to show up because I was just analyzing the data I already collected in the class that I taught. So it was just a matter of uh, analyzing, writing it up, and all that good stuff. So that's basically what I've been doing since we moved here last summer. Yeah, it's been kind of crazy i definitely miss miss oregon uh it's beautiful there and it is flat and boring here yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but uh it's uh it's closer to family which i suppose is nice to some extent it's a uh illinois is a place i visit more often than oregon (laughs) (laughs) that is true because i have family there Yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about the uh, the the uh, competition that you came for in Illinois that we both went to together? Maybe what, maybe we should save that a little bit uh, for later oh, okay. in the episode. I feel like, but yeah, yeah we yeah, we yeah. did. There was a kind of a thing where I was going to Illinois to visit some family, uh, and then I didn't even realize that Kit had moved to Illinois yeah. <laughs> until um, I was just like in a Discord server that we're both in, and I was. Like, while I was there, I was just, like, staying up really late because I was still on, like, San Diego time. And I was like, all right, I'm, what can I do while I'm just awake and everyone else around me is asleep? I'm going to jump in this Discord. Uh, <laughs> and then there was Kit, and he was like, yeah, I'm in Illinois. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we can talk about that competition a little bit later. I feel like I feel like we should really get to uh, some of this follow-up that, that's been sitting here for for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. Follow up. Yes, yeah. We we should definitely follow up from topics yes. that are been discussed that we definitely are familiar with. Yeah. So I wasn't last episode. I, this was in here, and it says not to talk about on the show yet. And I'll probably it, say it to may talk have, about now, right? I think we can talk about it. Considering okay. <laughs> neither of us remembers what this is. Uh, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, there's a some kind of new AlgDB thing. Uh, and we have a GitHub link to it, and it's like a public GitHub, so I'm sharing it, even if then <laughs> it hasn't been updated in two years. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure this yep. is the current AlgDB, right? 
yeah, that's that's how it works. Yeah, I think that's probably what's happened. We probably discussed algs at some point. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a thing we would do. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we like algs and cubing. So we talked about it, and now we're following up about the GitHub repository that is in our follow-up. I think that about does it for follow-up, Kit. Yeah. Um, Do I, I think am, you're am, getting a bit carried away there. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I felt contractually obligated to say a, a, a enough about uh, <laughs> this GitHub before we moved on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was obviously very important because I wasn't allowed to talk about it on the show immediately when I put it in the notes. Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. We should probably be able to talk about it now, right? Yeah. Okay, probably. cool. Probably. On to our main topics, of course. Yeah. Uh, I remember putting this one in here. This is cakes. Um, mm. Made any good cakes lately? Oh, I have an unfortunate story with, about a cake. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I uh, was very hungry last night and kind of wanted something sweet. Oh, well, this is recent. Fresh Yeah, this, is, this was last night. Uh, and... Uh, at our local uh, grocery store, they had a bunch of like stuff from the bakery that was on sale, which should have been my first sign that something was wrong. Um, <laughs> and I bought a coffee cake, which I woke up today and got food poisoning from. Oh, no. Yep. So uh, it's been a fun day. Uh, <laughs> at least it was cheap food poisoning. I know, yeah. But <laughs> expensive food poisoning is never never fun. Cause then, <laughs> then you feel like crap and you're... Uh, and your wallet feels like crap, but <laughs> I at least saved money. It was only a like four dollar coffee cake. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Are you sure yeah. it was from the coffee cake though? I feel like that's not like a. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know. I feel like baked goods aren't often going to give you like food poisoning. You know, that's they're just going to get like stale, too. is what I would think. Yeah, but um, the old like we had a pretty early dinner the night before, and so I don't know. Just like tracking back, like I feel like it would have been way. Like, the dinner that I had, I feel like we did get, like, takeout that night, but I don't feel like... I feel like that was way too late. Like, you mm. would have been, like, an 18-hour delay to when yeah. I was feeling it, and that's way too long. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, that really only left the coffee cake for me, so... <laughs> um, I think this is the seriously probably the most complete cake story we have ever done. Yeah. Uh, on this glad. podcast i mean i think we can maybe move that out of topics now <laughs> <laughs> uh but i am feeling better now so uh um, that's good I'm yeah hear that. yeah no it was funny because when you reached out to me to do this episode i was feeling fine and then i started feeling terrible and oh, i was no. worried i wouldn't be able to do this episode and then i felt fine again kind of a couple hours before the episode so i was like all right cool we're good <laughs> <laughs> don't don't have to say anything anymore until we talk about cakes on the podcast yep <laughs> nice all right so moving on bananas yes what what oh, is, yeah. what, what, ha- what 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 happened to our show notes <laughs> bananas um, bananas I have a funny... I can talk about bananas. Oh, Um, yeah. Great. So, let's see. This wasn't last weekend, but weekend before last, I Mm -hmm. was in Washington, D.C. for Clock Tower Con, which is a convention for the game Blood on the Clock Tower. Yeah, and we know D.C. is the banana capital of the world, so... (laughs) Yeah. Um, We went to the grocery store at one point, and I got some bananas. um, Mm -hmm. As you do in D.C. For our hotel room. Yes. And... Yeah, there there was a day when I just uh, I brought him down to the convention, the, the like the ballrooms that the convention was in, 
and held them up and like threatened people with them like they were guns. Um, <laughs> Did you go go Bob Burton style on uh, on someone? I probably. <laughs> <laughs> I I basically was just like it was I don't know probably like one a.m. when I started doing this, mm-hmm. and I just like jumped out of the elevator snuck up to like the the event like registration desk area Mm -hmm. um yeah just it was good time (laughs) (laughs) do you know the do you do you know the bob burton uh story that i'm talking about i it sounds familiar i think i must have once known it but what is it it's uh it happened at uh u.s nationals i think in 2008 which is in atlanta and um Apparently, because they use like a big downtown convention center to to do the event, and uh, Bob got mugged in the bathroom. Uh, at oh, least he wait, had, maybe I haven't he, heard this. Yeah, well, someone attempted to mug him in the bathroom. At least, um, it turned out that what felt like a potential gun on his back was just <laughs> the dude's fingers. <laughs> and Bob Burton being, you know, a New Yorker, you know, it, no, it has has seen crap like this, you know, throughout his life, just turns around and like just like shrugs the dude off and just walks out. It's probably my best Bob Burton story. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's why um for a long time uh, as long as Bob was on the Cubing USA board, uh, we never considered nationals in Atlanta because of that. Um, <laughs> but uh, now that uh, Cubing USA, I believe, does not include Bob, I'm not 100% sure. I think he left, but um, I also left before he did, so I don't really know. But I think now Atlanta is on the table again hmm. for Nats, and maybe this time someone will be, have a, a, experience an attempted mugging with a banana. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. No, I, yeah, so I was just, like, going around, like, I would just, like, dive out from behind a corner uh, at somebody with them. Or I, I think I went out, I think I asked, I told them to, like, like give me all, like, the stickers they were selling or something at the merch desk. <laughs> very nice. It was very, very, it almost worked. Power tripping. <laughs> I mean, oh, man, I could, I, this is the wrong podcast for me to talk about Blood on the Clock Tower stuff. Yeah. But. <laughs> is that that podcast still active it is it's uh i the next episode that's going to come out is going to be the last not the last episode of the podcast but the last one covering the like the characters from the main game and then i'm just going to be kind of doing other like random stuff for episodes from here on out but i have to like break the format of the show because I ran out of content for the normal <laughs> format of the show. Yeah, you actually have to talk about like current events with the game or something. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Is there like a competitive scene for that game or is it still is it pretty strictly casual? It's definitely like yeah, you can't really play it competitively because yeah, yeah it's got like the moderator who like makes decisions and stuff that affect the game balance and I think it's still definitely like possible to play it strategically and you can like be competitive while you play it, right. but as soon as you start putting like prize money or anything like that on the line, I don't think it works anymore. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the whole Among Us craze too. Like, I feel like there were a lot of like attempted competitive formats for Among Us that were, yeah. Um, I don't know, kind of weird in that like it depended. <laughs> it depended a lot on like how well 
how less on how well you did it more how well everyone else on your team whether it was crew or imposters and also had a lot to do with whether you like how many times you got imposter is like a lot of the terms i saw like imposters were getting like screwed many times over so it's like if you just got imposter more than other people you were likely to just be doing worse <laughs> yeah i think that's a big problem with it is when you have like i think blood on the clock tower is a lot better balanced than that but still yeah. you'd definitely just there's a lot of luck of the draw in terms of that so you'd either need, need to play a very large amount of games right or come up with some kind of weighted scoring system but yeah i don't know how that would work yeah for people who got experience with among us i feel like the only way to balance the game was to have everyone take it less seriously <laughs> yeah <laughs> i remember that yeah because like it, it, when it got to a tournament and everyone was just like all these twitch streamers were getting super sweaty because they were trying to win the prize money um it just turned into a crew fest the whole time <laughs> yeah i mean it's like you can kind of just go around and do everything as a group, and there's not much that stops you from doing that in Among Us. Yeah, that too, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so do you want to talk about the uh, the Blind Championship? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely would. Um, so the Blind Championship, uh, this is um, it's a board game for two to five players. Um, <laughs> It involves uh, playing bird cards, uh, gathering food, uh, and laying eggs to score points and all this. Uh, have you heard of this? The Blind Championship board game? Yeah, I believe uh, designed by Elizabeth Hargrave. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a very, very good game. Um, mm -hmm. I think we've both played it quite a bit at this point. Yeah. Have um, we actually even played a game with each other yet? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't really played with any people other than the people i know in real life around here and like random people online <laughs> right yeah you play a lot of arena on bga yeah or i did for a while at least now i'm kind of just doing like random high elo games that i've set up because i got tired of playing against low elo players because they're either just gonna get really lucky and win and cost me a ton of elo or they're going to just be very very easy to beat <laughs> right yeah uh and I imagine you probably played without the uh, power birds that were like the trade eggs for tons oh, yeah. of resources. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pa the power four are just not fun to play with. There's, yeah. there's still even there's one bird that's still in the set that I think deserves a ban. Wood duck. Um, yeah, wood duck is yeah. too strong. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's like the like one the 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 power fifth almost like it's definitely. I, I think. I think I'd rather have a wood duck than the Franklin's goal or the kill deer at the start of the game. Really? I, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah I think, yeah, the, the wood duck, I think is just a pretty poorly designed card in that it's so good early and kind of whatever in mid to late game. Yeah. I think, I think it's like a normal, like just a decent card mid game, honestly. Um, it's decent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it's terrible mid game by any means, but mm -hmm. And, that, and that's kind of what makes it different from the power four and probably the reason it got overlooked for the ban is like the power four are fairly high power no matter when you get them. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they're less effective later because you have less time to use them, but even then they're still decent. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas the wood duck, it's if you have it in your starting hand, I think it's easily on par with them. Yes. Uh, if you don't, though, then it's not going to be nearly as affecting. Um, yeah, for sure. For, for the games I play at home, like with my brother, we have um, a house rule that the power four you can play in round three or later. Mm, okay. um, 
And if you have them in your hand earlier than that, you can just like choose to discard them and draw another at random. Gotcha. Um, That's an interesting way to do it. Yeah, and for Wood Duck, we say you could play it in your bottom row anytime in the wetlands, but uh, if you want to play it in the in the forest row, then you have to do that. And I think starting in round two, you're allowed to do that for the way we play it, something like that. Okay. Uh, we came up with some house rules where we didn't have to completely ban the cards. Um, yeah, I mean, it almost effectively does, because, I mean, I feel like the maybe the food one, I don't know. I guess the kill deer and the gull can be good round three. I think, yeah, I think there still definitely is a place for them. Yeah, because um, you can set up basically fishing for like big point birds in your final round. Yeah, yeah, and I think while I think also that, uh, point whoring eggs. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I think people tend to overestimate how strong that is in general. But no, I think that people it, it it's one of those games that it like it feels more satisfying to like top deck like wild turkeys or Baltimore Orioles or you know the big point birds when the chances of pulling them like don't offset like the opportunity cost of just laying like four to five eggs. Uh that that's true, but I would argue that if if you're if you're uh if you're facing the choice between trying to top deck something like that and just laying a few eggs. Mhm. If that's your choice, you've probably set up your game wrong to that point. That's true, yeah. <laughs> um, like, for me, I'm collecting those birds throughout the game. Right, right. Uh, And so it's a matter of getting the tempo early enough so that you can snag them when they're needed, or you can overdraw cards and have a way to sink, sink those extra cards in, as a resource somehow, like one of the ones that lets you tuck to get eggs or something. Gotcha. Um, so let me ask you this then. Um, early game, are you more interested in developing your forest or your wetlands? I'm interested in developing both. Like, I, there's not yeah. really, I don't, I can't really give one or the other. Yeah, Because I it's basically, I, I'm basically either looking for, I, I, I guess I would say it's more important to have your forest producing extra food than it is to have your wetlands producing extra cards. Mm-hmm. So I want to get to two food and two cards at, at a baseline. Yep. But if I'm going to go more heavy in one than than that, I'm usually developing my forest further than that because mm. um, that makes it so that the things like the three food cost birds that costs three resources of food but only one card draw, uh, and that relates to what I was saying just saying a moment ago, which is that like if you're thinking actively about collecting the cards you want throughout the entire game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can actually be very efficient with your card draw and just pick up the birds you want. Right, um, right. I have a couple of turn-based games going on right now where I've just been collecting birds, basically. That and and it's like in like middle of round two, I'm like, okay, the rest of my game is just playing these birds. Yep. Uh, and you kind of just have to be opportunistic about it. But uh, there, there almost always is opportunity to pick up decent birds. Um, yeah. Unless you get, yeah, it doesn't uh, require a ton of card draw. No, I mean you might get screwed on because especially like the turn, like when when it comes to be like a round where it's your turn to go first. I feel like what can really be detrimental and is just kind of up to random chance is getting like a really bad new bird tray. Yeah, yeah, you want to, you're hoping for something, right? Yeah, because it's like if it's it, especially like games where like I'm first to pick on round one or round two. If the bird tray is just kind of bad, it's like that's not good. <laughs> Yeah, and that that's that's where the cards like like tuck and draw kind of birds help. Things yes. like a robin in your top row can be really nice for that. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, I've I've had a couple games recently as well where I've had like 
uh, Robin top row or a tuck and draw middle row bird. And it's just been like early game. I'm just like over drawing cards because otherwise you end up with uh you end up in a kind of awkward situation where you have the birds that you want and then you can't tuck anything anymore. Mm hmm. So it's like I've I've had to kind of learn to force myself a little bit to just like draw cards randomly even when I don't feel like I need to. But right. I've had a couple of funny games recently where it's like I'm like, okay, I'm just going to draw some random cards just to have tucking fodder in my hands so that I can take advantage of that. And then I just draw good birds and I'm like, wait, no, I want to play these. And so I just keep doing that and then I have like a like 13 card hand or something. <laughs> it's yeah. like and it's like I've barely found enough to tuck and I actually have a chance to play all of these. <laughs> right, right. Makes sense. Yeah, I I probably have not played the game as much as you have to really think about, like, how to really optimize the game, but it yeah, is fun. I've thought about it too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it is, it, it's, because, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of games out there that, like, I really like, but they, like, they pose as engine builders mm -hmm. when they're not really engine builders. <laughs> and, like... I don't know. Wingspan is not like I think it's only really an, like an engine builder in round one. You mean blind championship? Oh, oh yes, yes, blind championship. Yes. Um. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I feel like that game is really only an engine builder, maybe in like round one and early round two at best. But it's like you quickly shift to just like, okay, how do I optimize the rest of the game now? Yeah, I'm not. I I don't really understand where the distinction is between an engine builder and like another type of game honestly yeah. because it's like even if you're playing i like i i struggle to come up with a game that i really think of as an engine builder because it's like every game you have limited actions in some way and so it's like every game should just be an efficiency puzzle if you break it down to that level but then it's True. like obviously engine builder means something right like you know what someone means when they say a game's an engine builder right and uh, i would still characterize wingspan as an engine builder yeah, um, it's it's just like if you focus entirely on building an engine in terms of just like building up one row or something, yeah. you're usually not going to be able to do that efficiently enough to keep up with kind of a broad development. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I there, like I don't know if you played um, Cubing USA Nationals 2019. Um, <laughs> have I played Cubing USA Nationals 2019? <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a yes. <laughs> Yes. yes okay okay <laughs> um, yeah because this board game that involves uh elements kind of similar to like mtg and like doing drafts and stuff um i find that it like tries to masquerade as an engine builder um but it's really from turn one an optimization game yeah it's uh hold on wait i'm gonna figure this out <laughs> Is, is the drafting's a variant though, right? Like the technically you're just drawing cards by the rules. Um Yeah, I mean, so the beginner version of this game has pre-constructed like decks of 8 cards. Oh, oh my, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh, the main way you play it when you actually have people experienced and like know the cards that are in the game, you typically do a draft. Man, it's great that you played this game before. I'm amazed. Uh it's kind of not the most yeah. like well-known game, no. yeah. Yeah, very. Did you say it's not well-known? <laughs> not super well-known. No, it's it's recent. It, I think it came out like twenty twenty. I think maybe twenty nineteen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's you. So you have a hand of eight cards, 
We have like a deck of eight cards. Oh, you have a deck of eight cards, and then you're yeah. expanding that deck. Of course, this is based on a famous IP. Uh, no, the deck's no, kind of no, always eight is... cards, and it's uh, not any IP. No, okay, so then, so then you're like exploring like a temple or something? Uh, not quite, no. Clearly. <laughs> um... I don't think I don't. Is that the lore of the game? I don't. I don't think that's the lore. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> hmm. Twenty twenty. Eight yeah. cards. I mean, the name of the board game is uh, a Latin phrase, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, you the, know, cubing the USA Latin Nas- phrase "cubing USA <laughs> Nationals 2019. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Race Arcana. No, 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 no. Cubing USA Nationals 2019. Did I get it, I get it though? Yes. Cool. I've never played it. I've, <laughs> I've deduced it. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard of this Res Arcana before. That's not a Latin <laughs> phrase. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, you, no, you're right. I, I've, uh, on the Game Brain podcast, they talk about Cubing USA Nationals 2019. Uh, oh, okay. From time to time, gotcha. they're kind of divided on it, and one of the ones who I who who talks about it the most, who I've found that I'm somewhat aligned with in their opinions, mm-hmm. uh, does not like that that game. So I haven't given it a try yet, but maybe I will. Yeah, I I like <laughs> it. I think the main criticism I have of it is just that it is a um a game that masquerades as an engine builder, <laughs> and so like the first few times I played it, I played it like it was an engine builder. Like, you know, playing cards that help me generate more resources and stuff oh, yeah. like that. No, but it's way too short for that. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can just kind of sprint to the end in that game. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sp- uh, uh, um, yeah. The I'm- FMC USA 20, uh, 2018 is similar. Ah. I don't think I've played it's- that game. Oh yeah, well it's like you're you're collecting like cards in front of you and they make it so that the other ones are cheaper. Oh. But you almost don't need to do that because you can kind of just collect the resources you need without actually making them cheaper. I see. Yeah, I think I have played FMC USA 2018. Yeah, and <laughs> that that one I feel like gives this kind of similar feeling where it's like yeah, it feels like it's an engine builder, but yeah, they they have this game on Board Game Arena, right? Uh yeah, probably. I probably. actually know. <laughs> um, yeah, what, if, if it's the game I'm thinking of, I think what's incredible about that game is that um, when I play that in person, I feel like it takes like an hour or a little more to play through a game. Oh, just, yeah? Just because, I don't know, there's like so much setup. You're sitting there like thinking about how much everything costs based on the stuff you've built up. Um, and then like when you play on board game arena, it shows exactly how much things cost for you and your opponents. And for I like, see. All, yeah. <laughs> your, all your wonders, like, have their cost immediately shown to you. So it's just, like, the thinking goes so much faster. Um, and, like, Board Game Arena, I think, estimates, like, 11 minutes to get through that game. Oh, I, I think I think uh, you might be talking about... I, I know what you're talking about. Oh, I think you're talking oh. about FMC USA 2019. Oh, uh, I'm talking right. about 2018. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I guess I haven't played um, that game then. Yeah, no, it's a uh, older, of course, by <laughs> yeah, 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 um, by one year. Yep. Yeah, um, but you're you're like collecting gems, uh, and not like not like brick or brick and wood and stone. 
mm-hmm. clay and wooden stone clay i guess <laughs> <laughs> interesting okay clay. <laughs> is it this... is on bga though i just checked <laughs> oh is this just Catan? Is it what? Catan? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, that's, well, that's pretty old. I mean, I was saying you were talking about a game where you're collecting, like, clay and... Oh, and yes, stone. yes, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I I was talking about one where you collect gems. Gems. sell them to nobles. Well, I guess you don't really sell them. You just, like, attract nobles to you. Oh, 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 oh. Is this... Um... FMC USA Splendor 2019. <laughs> yes. Okay. Got it. Got it. That's okay. the one. Got it. Got that's, it. That's the other the other name for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. What other name? It's just FMC USA 2019. 2018. 18. Oh, 18. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I get those two. <laughs> As you can tell, I get those two very confused. Yeah. No. I mean, they're similar enough. Mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's uh, it's great that we've really been into WCA competitions like this. Do you want to talk about the one we we went to in Illinois? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. Yeah, so... um, 18 events, of course. Of course, of course. Um, We, um, so we went, when Andrew uh, found out that I lived in Illinois, um, we, you know, somehow were able to uh, register for a competition last minute, which, you know, doesn't happen anymore, from what I've heard. Um, There's almost no one there, though, so that was pretty surprising. Yeah, yeah, it was just, wasn't it just us? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was just us. Yeah, that's weird. Uh. Maybe we should have advertised it or something. Yeah, who, who organized it then? I didn't. No, I think I think it was actually put on by the venue. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Well, anyway, so I'm in the burbs of Chicago. You were out in uh, Rockford or something, so I was like, yeah, Rockford, not too hard, far of a drive for me. Um, and so uh, we went outside. It was an outdoor competition. And we were out there throwing uh, discs into baskets, which <laughs> is uh, very WCA related, as you're aware. It's, uh, you know, it, it's one of yep. the, uh, you know, 27 events of the WCA disc golf, of course. Yep, of course. Yep, yep. Uh, you're trying to get the lowest score possible. Mm-hmm. Much, yeah, it fits in right like with the other WCA events. events. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. This, this was my first time. Uh, competing in the disc golf event myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, um, but you were you're pretty experienced. Yeah, I started um, actually kind of around our last episode. Um, <laughs> like, I think the very first round I played was only a few weeks before the last episode we released. That's fun. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, it's kind of you know as um, you know other events that are typically indoors were not possible during the uh, pandemic. Uh, and it was harder to find, you know, good exercise activities. Uh, the disc golf event was definitely an event I got into while uh, the pandemic was still kind of lingering on in 2021 and still doing it now. And it's a uh, it's it's a blast. Um, I have I, I think I could safely say now my collection of discs is larger than my collection of cubes, Ooh. <laughs> uh, which is kind of impressive given that it's only been a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm planning to get more into disc golf. Um, after I came back from that trip, trip, Sophie and I went, uh, Mm. disc golfing and then like the next week she sprained her ankle. So (laughs) that stopped us from doing it for a while. And then like, just, just this last weekend we went again 
They oh, were nice. like, hey, remember when we were like planning to get into disc golf? Yeah, and we enjoyed it, and like <laughs> then we just forgot about it because <laughs> nice because nice. of that. Um, but yeah, so we're going to be getting more into that soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely planning to go more. Yeah, and it was just like yeah, that just kind of set us back, and then we forgot about it for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a. From what I remember, there's not a lot of um, WCA disc golf venues uh, near you currently. Or maybe that's changed. I don't know if you've moved since then. but No, yeah. Same same place. And yeah. Th- there's there's a couple. There's one that's like very, very popular. Yeah. That's always rough. <laughs> and it's a good course. Mm-hmm. And it's just way too crowded for us right now. Yeah. You have to pay. Right. Which... I mean, it's not a, like a high registration fee or anything, but it's like still we're, uh, might as well go to a free one if there is one. Mm-hmm. And it turns out there is one. There is one free course. I mean, uh, venue. Yes. It's about 15 minutes away from us, so that's not terrible. No, nice, um, nice. And probably not uh, as crowded either. No, yeah. It's only got nine events, though, uh, instead mm. of a full 18 on offer. Gotcha. Um, but I feel like for starting but, yeah, out, it's, that's it's, kind of perfect, honestly. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot more open as well. Um, it's easier. Easier. Um, you don't have to do as many uh, like fancy algorithms. You can just kind of like throw the discs in a straight line for yeah. the most part. <laughs> yeah, you're, you you don't have that tree alg interference going on as much. Yeah, yeah. No, there's like we although we did manage or I managed to uh, on the first time we did this this past weekend I managed to throw my disc into like a fenced off area um that mm. we then had to like crawl under the fence to get in there and <laughs> did, did you get a plus one penalty it. for that uh no because we weren't caught and there was no wca delegate to uh, assign you the plus one penalty for that's going r- out of that's bounds. right that's right <laughs> nice um <laughs> Yeah, the judge wasn't looking, so I just kind of got the disc and uh, didn't tell anyone. You naughty boy! <laughs> no, we weren't actually. We actually weren't keeping score. So, <laughs> oh, we we're just it was like I like this is literally the like the first time we've been doing it since we were just like let's just go out and remember how to throw. <laughs> there, are, there are WCA competitions that don't keep score. Um, we were just kind of hanging out, watching. Others oh, I see. You were just competing. kind of spectating. Not yeah, competing. we were spectating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay makes sense yeah <laughs> just kind of doing some some uh pr- some practicing at like the back tables or something right, right. but it, outside yeah. yeah and you know just just observing and wait seeing if there are any world records set or anything like that right of course yeah yeah well that's cool i'm glad to hear you're getting into that more it's definitely um been kind of the main i'd say it's probably supplanted cubing is my main hobby for sure uh, I don't even know if I could say cubing is number two at this point, <laughs> but, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's so much fun. I feel like, um, there's a lot of parallels to the disc golf event and other events in terms of, um, you know, like the hardware. I'm a little bit lost in the metaphor. For okay. it. Uh, <laughs> wait, so you so, mean like cubes, you, you I, mean the disc golf event in the cube events? Yes, they have, they're, they're similar in that like there's a lot of hardware available. I'd say that there's even more product differentiation in the disc golf event than there are in cubing events. Yeah. Just in that like in cubing, I mean, there's definitely different 
styles of cubes. I don't know. I haven't bought a cube in three years, so I'm not the person to know like what hardware is good these days. But um, my general sense is that like there are many good three by threes, but in the end, there's not a lot of ways the products are differentiated. Like when one of them releases a new feature, all the other ones seem to get a similar, the same feature shortly after. Yeah. Whereas with discs, you actually like, they have different purposes for different times. Yeah, exactly. As well as just being different qualities and stuff in general. Right. Yeah. There's, Um, yeah, there's like, you know, they're kind of like how there's like frosted plastic cubes that are typically cheaper because they don't finish the plastic. There's, you know, cheaper discs that are made out of more, less durable plastic. You have, uh, you know, a bunch of different companies making these discs, t- tons more than there are companies making cubes. Um, and it's all plastic injection molding, uh, which is cool too. Uh, so it's, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of parallels to me in that there, you know, there's, you buy, I mean, like the main thing is that's different is you do buy discs for different purposes where it's like i don't think you buy a cube for different purposes maybe it's to meet your preferences or something but it's i don't think there's that much differentiation in the product where like discs you literally buy different ones to do different things yeah you don't have like a main disc as much like you kind of can you can have a main disc or a main set of discs sure yeah but it's not like (laughs) yeah you come you come to the event with multiple multiple discs you don't ever come to the three by three and be like here are my five puzzles um uh i mean actually if we do want to talk about something actually cubing related i did see katie hall do a uh record fastest round of two by two oh yeah where she submitted four two by two puzzles solved all of them like one after the other where they were all i think i don't know they were pre-scrambled if they were if the time started like on submission i can't remember uh but did four solves intentionally dnf'd the fifth one or dns did i guess uh because they didn't even submit a puzzle for it and didn't start an attempt but that still gives you an average presuming you successfully solved the other four so not always but most of the time (laughs) You are typically <laughs> only submitting one yeah. puzzle for an event. So, I don't know. I bring a bag of, like, 20 discs with me when I go out to... Yeah, quite dub- an impressive bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just... When you get into it, you really get into trying new stuff and seeing if it, like, works with your throwing and uh, seeing if it does, like, a shot that you weren't able to do before with anything else in your bag. So, it's... uh it's really fun, uh, and that's kind of how you end up with all in two years more discs than <laughs> cubes, despite the fact that I've been cubing for thir- fifteen years now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they take up a little bit less space. They kind of stack. <laughs> they can. I don't know. It takes up a closet for me. So I mean, <laughs> cubes you can put in drawers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Walker Welch was the one who really got me into doing it for the first time. We've uh, already done, now that we're living a bit closer to each other, we've done weekends where we do a competition Saturday in a tournament for disc golf. I mean, a WCA competition <laughs> for disc golf specifically and no other WCA events the next day. I don't know why they call it yeah. just one competition, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we've been doing that a lot recently. So Very nice. Yeah. Burns a lot more calories than cubing does, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's definitely, like, there's just not as much, like, 
open land around here so i feel like that's <laughs> yeah that there's not as many courses that, that that is a big problem and especially too when like land especially in southern california is expensive and like yeah. parks departments probably have a very limited amount of land to play with they're not going to give up you know land even for like a nine hole wca disc golf venue yeah <laughs> so but i'm, I'm uh, the one the little the nine hole place that we did find uh seems pretty nice and good stuff We'll get some good mileage out of that, then go try other stuff once we actually know what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. What else? What else is there to talk about in the WCA these days? Yeah, do we want to get you set up with modern hardware? <laughs> oh yeah. Um. G- g- please. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, we didn't bring a guest onto the show that could do this, so... Just give me your best guess on the title of the latest GAN Cube. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, the GAN 14 Max Pro uh, UV uh, Plus. Okay, I'll get that one. That sounds good. Okay, sweet. Yeah. All right, I'm really glad that I could help you here. Do you, do you want to do you want to give a reg of the day? A reg of the day. Oh boy. While while you're thinking about that, why don't I give you the Hollywood Maryland of the day? Perfect. Sounds great. I I, I definitely need the pressure off. Yeah, so Hollywood is home to Hollywood Elementary School on Joy Chapel Road, which is divided into multiple quote-unquote houses that each emphasize a different culture from around the world. Very cool. I love Hollywood, Maryland. Woo! Woo. Yeah, we love love Hollywood, Maryland, where we definitely have listeners that haven't stopped subscribing to our podcast because we haven't been released one in two years. No, not at all. (laughs) No, no. Let's do a new regulation of the day. Okay. There's got to be a new one in here somewhere, right? Probably. Yeah. Um, you know, interestingly, there's only been guidelines changes in the last update from what I'm seeing on the diff All right, doc. well, let's hear the, the guidelines changes. Yeah, okay. Um, Are you allowed to, like, take off your shirt in competitions now? Yes. All right, I'm I'm in. I'm coming back. <laughs> I'm coming back. This is what Cuban has been missing. Um, no, that did not change. Um, let's see. Um, oh, this is an interesting one. Um, the way so you know how you're not allowed to use electronic uh, devices uh, during attempts. Yeah, like an earpiece where someone can like tell you during a blind solve. Right. Is that right. allowed now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's uh, that's not allowed. But um, oh, it's so, encouraged. Yes, it's strictly encouraged. <laughs> um, so uh, one thing that's interesting though. So one of the I think one thing that became really popular, especially with Max Park, uh, is and kind of influenced a lot of other people is the use of uh, disposable hand warmers. Yeah. To like keep your hands warm before salts. Um, well. Uh, they make electronic hand warmers too. Oh yeah. Um, I own one cause it's amazing for like cold disc golfing. Um, <laughs> but, um, so they had to make a clarification that those are actually still considered electronic devices. Hmm. So like you see okay. how like Max Park, you know, like min inspection will grab his like non-electronic hand warmers. 
before, yeah. be- sometimes before like starting the timer just to get them warmed up a bit more before going. Um, that is not something you can do with an electronic hand warmer because it's considered an electronic device and thus is against the regs to use during an attempt. Where is the uh, like distinction between electronic and electric? Like, is there a distinction between those things? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, what are you, are you suggesting that like electrons are being like, well, I I feel like like... electronic is usually used to describe something that has like a circuit board, whereas electric is just something like powered by electricity. Like, like you can have an electric motor that isn't electronic. Mm. Interesting. So I'm wondering if, if it's possible to have a simple electric (laughs) hand warmer that isn't electronic (laughs) oh this is the uh, electrical engineering computer science guy coming out huh uh i i don't even know if that's what electronic means i just feel like that's like i feel like that's just what intuitively sounds like the distinction yeah i don't know if i've ever made a distinction between those two words in that way or at least thought about the distinction between electric and electronic um all right, according to the University of Sheffield, electrical devices convert electrical energy into other forms of energy, for example, heat, light, or sound, whereas electronic devices control the flow of electrons to, in order to perform a task. Well, most electric... So I think that an electric heater is not electronic. But it, it doesn't anything with an on-off switch necessarily... Wouldn't that necessarily make it electronic because it regulates the flow of electricity? Uh, no, I... If all it is is on and off, I think the argument could be made that you're not actually controlling it. But but most hand warmers have like different heat settings. Therefore, you are moderating the amount of electricity being used. So so we need to design one that you just plug in to the wall. <laughs> no, not even doesn't even have an on off switch. Okay. Like I guess technically you could argue that's turning it on and off, but like you just plug it into the wall, and it just produces heat. You don't get to control anything. It just produces heat, and then that would be allowed. Sure, <laughs> I guess. All right. I... It's on. It's on you if I get banned from the WCA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was uh, more of a regulation than I was expecting. Uh, <laughs> but um, I would get. I would venture a guess that the WCA regulations committee has not thought about the distinction between electric and electronic and. <laughs> Probably means electric because like for example I like one thing for example um like hearing aids are considered an electronic device and are specifically ex- made have an exception for them that makes sense I feel like they're definitely electronic you think so because isn't it just something that you put a battery in and it's always on do you, I, I don't know I've never had a hearing aid but I'd imagine you do you do you turn hearing aids off that's actually yeah, no, that's a good question um hmm so I, feel- I think they should remove the the exception. <laughs> not because you shouldn't be allowed to have a hearing aid, but because it's electric, not electronic. Well, really, really thinking of everything here. What? <laughs> you could have like one of those little like like funnels that you just put up to your ear. That wouldn't be even electric. <laughs> that would just be a. You, you know those ear funnels? No. Is it like a torture device or? No, I don't. I have no idea if this is even like a real thing, but I I just remember I have like a memory from grade school or something. We're okay. learning about 
I want to say Beethoven. He was the one who went deaf, right? Yes. And I don't know what we watched or something. There was something where someone was like playing Beethoven and like as he was losing his hearing, they were like just holding up a little like brass funnel or something. Oh, yeah. To hear, to hear better. I, I see this image that you're talking about. <laughs> That's funny. It's a very, it's a very interesting facial expression in this image. Too. If it's, I don't know, it's the same one that you saw, but this is this is a memory from like third grade or something. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at it now as well. Um, hmm. Yeah, his facial expression in this image is very um, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's somewhere between meditating and pooping. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I wouldn't say it's as calm as meditating, but I wouldn't say it's as chaotic as pooping. <laughs> <laughs> this this image is apparently very, like, well-known. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, ear trumpets. Ear trumpets. Apparently there's, apparently there's a TV Tropes page about ear trumpets. Yeah, see, like, when you say ear funnels, it to me sounds like, like waterboarding, but on your ear. <laughs> <laughs> like... Let's put this funnel in their ears so that we can torture them by dripping water into the funnel or something. <laughs> I don't know, but that's what that's the first thought that came to mind when you said ear funnel, which maybe says something about me. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's a normal normal response, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. Good. <laughs> Great. R- relief to know that I'm a normal human being. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh so I know we just did reg of the day, but did you actually want to talk about a cuping topic for the the listeners that made it this far in listening to our utter nonsense for so long? Uh, I I could talk a little bit about FMC. Yeah, let's that's do it. Anything I've done related to cubing at all recently? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's about the only thing I've done at all, and that's very minimal too. But it hasn't been probably the way you've been doing it. I mean, I haven't done anything in, a, in several months now. Yeah, but. Like around the time, I think when I was uh, in Illinois and I started talking to people on the Discord, uh, a lot of what I, who I was talking to was Jay and doing FMC with Jay. Yep. Because he's really good now. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very so. And so he taught me like all the modern stuff and I managed to get like a 24 mean in competition. Oh, nice. Which which was pretty nice. I didn't realize you got I've, a 24 mean. Yeah, I've gotten, I've gotten a, the first the first one I did when I was fresh off all this practice mm. uh, with Jay and stuff like that, it was 24. Very nice. And I've gotten, I think I've gotten a 24, six, seven and a 24, three, three as well since then. So dang, it's pretty fairly cool. consistently sub 25 now. Yeah. Um, at least if I give myself a little bit of time to practice, cause I, I did have a comp uh, where I did much worse than that because yeah, I didn't yeah. practice for a few months beforehand. And I just, it, the skill left me very quickly. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting, so, I mean, I haven't learned DR really at all. I really just know the general concept of doing it. Um, but I think what discourages me from doing or learning DR is that it really feels, again, like FMC has become more like any other event. Where, like, sure, you don't, you're not speed solving, but... You are learning cases, you're learning algs in a way, or like solutions to like set up DRs. Yeah, um, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, and like um, to me, what made FMC interesting is that it really, other than like, you know, some insertion, like edge insertions maybe are a little algae, but uh, corners definitely aren't. And I think like the more classical way of doing FMC, like pre 2019, 
was a lot more creative and felt more like a true sort of like exploration of the state that you're working with. And like now, like DR to me, and it's like, it's, I recognize it's clearly the best method we know of now. And I'm guessing probably won't be topped, but, um, it's, uh, to me, just it, when you strip the creativity from FMC and are making it very much like, you know, a algorithm or a process that you're following and like trying to find shortest EOs, the best DRs from those EOs. And like within that step, like trying to figure out how to quickly set up like a trigger to DR. Um, and I don't know, there's maybe a bit more creativity in like finishing once you have a DR. Um but it, it, it's not quite as creative, I feel like, as more like old school FMC was. I definitely agree. I think like the amount that I learned to get to the point that I'm at now, mm-hmm. or I don't know, was at, yeah. <laughs> uh, was it's I still felt pretty creative because it was still a lot of exploration and mm-hmm. like I didn't I didn't learn very many algs or anything. I learned a few cases. Right. Um I learned like the one thing that was like kind of essential, which is like uh, checking how many half turns or how many quarter turns you're gonna need to reduce from an HDR to a DR. Yeah. No, wait, no. Something DR to HDR. I don't even remember the term. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I kind of learned like the most essential thing, which was like learning to recognize maybe ten or twelve cases. And other than that, though, it wasn't memorizing a ton okay. but i know that the people who are actually really good are memorizing tons and tons of stuff so that they can much more quickly like rule out cases yeah stuff like that. yeah um and I don't... yeah so i definitely agree yeah and, i mean it's also in terms of taking a step closer to being a speed event it your speed actually matters a lot now yes um yeah it's it, you were really jamming in like you, you were doing every step of this dr solution it feels is like in its in its most in the most efficient way you can like searching for eos like it's almost like you should practice like writing down every you know four and some five move eo some of the five yeah. depending on the scramble uh like how many five movers there are but yeah and you're like managing your time it's like all right i'm gonna spend the first 12 minutes of the attempts writing down eos yep and then, and now you're limited by how many EOs can you find in 12 minutes? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Because that's like that's like your hard cutoff for it's like I just know how long it's going to take me to do the rest of this exploration. So right, and you have to just start moving on to the next step at that point. Yeah, and so there's a definite speed component to it. Right. Um, We're like, I mean, not that there wasn't a speed component before, but I feel like it was a lot less rigid in how much time people spent on certain sub steps, especially just because sub steps were not rigid like you're almost all other than like maybe sometimes doing it sometimes not doing htr you're doing every sub step almost identically in every solve i think that i think that largely comes from just like the amount that it has been optimized like when you're shooting for like a 20 Mm -hmm. right when you're shooting for a 20 you you don't have room to spare in any of the steps that you're doing yep like you'd have to get extremely lucky later on to make up for an inefficient first thing whereas if you're shooting for like a 20 six mm-hmm. then you have quite a bit of wiggle room where it's like okay this was more moves than i would like but it looks really interesting so i'm going to keep looking at it whereas yeah when you're shooting for something much lower than that it's just like all right i'm gonna do this eo do i see anything that leads to a dr in a short number of moves yeah. no no okay moving on <laughs> yep, yep yeah so and to, what a lot of people have been saying too is that like sure dr is significantly better than what people were doing but 
it also partially just might be that the classical methods that we had been using, nobody really optimized as much as we optimized DR. That's true. I was uh, I was talking to not Kevin about that, though, a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he did bring up a good point, which is that unlike like classical methods, mm-hmm. is that what we're calling them now? Uh, sure. Unlike the classical methods, um, DR, or like the, the whole kind of like sub-step method, every step of the sort of standard DR solve is a reduction. And that's not the case for... Um, like when you're trying to find a, ske- a skeleton and insert corners or something. True, true. So I think the fact that you are having a guaranteed reduction at every step to a smaller subset of moves, mm-hmm. um, I think that lends itself a lot more to the the kind of like just spamming things because you know that you are if you basically if you find a way to get to the next step, you've like made some guaranteed progress in a sense. Whereas, whereas like if you're relying on insertions, there's no like guarantee. I, I don't know. Uh, this this argument made more sense when he said it. But, uh, <laughs> I guess what's an interesting question, and I, I'm sure practically this would never come up, but like, is there a situation where like you find a DR where the optimal solution for that DR breaks the current DR that you found? That does exist. It's very rare. I'm sure it is. Yeah, and like, yeah, very very rare. And a lot of the times, like, you can get within one move anyway. Most of the time, I think. Right. Right. Even even without breaking DR, so. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of the times, it's because you found a DR already, you're probably not too far from DR in another angle. Yeah. And I'd imagine that, like, a lot of the cases just moves to a DR from a different angle. Oh, one of the most fun solves I've done, uh, this one was in the competition. I think I got a 27, but it was so fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just at the start of the solve, I looked at, I was just looking at the cube, and I was like, okay, so I, I don't remember what the exact colors were, but we'll just say it was like, all right, the blue center mm-hmm. is surrounded almost entirely by red and orange pieces, and the green center is surrounded almost entirely by red and orange pieces. Whoa. So I was like, okay, I have like a red-orange DR. If you center on the r- cycle? Yeah, if I if I do a center cycle. <laughs> so did you insert one? <laughs> yeah, so basically oh I found... God. I think it was like three moves to a DR minus centers, <laughs> something. Maybe maybe not three moves. Maybe it was more like five or six, because um, I think three moves would still be actually quite good for that. But it was like five or six moves to DR minus centers. Right. And, <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm just doing this. Because <laughs> what you have to do an eight move insertion to fix centers. Uh yeah. So in reality, if you find five, that's like a thirteen move DR plus whatever you can cancel. Yeah, and you can you can actually cancel a decent amount. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because uh, you're I think almost guaranteed like four. to like be able to cancel at least one move. Yeah, I think I canceled like four. Or yeah. Something. Oh okay. Um, so I mean, nine move dr is pretty good. Yeah, I, I don't. Maybe it was worse than that. I I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was also like I spent a long time. I wasted a lot of time in the solve just trying to figure out like is can I insert the centers now? And if I do, how do I have to write the moves? So that, oh yeah, like, while I'm figuring stuff. out the rest of my solution, I, I don't write the wrong face it turns. Right, right. And so yeah, so a lot of a lot of why that solve was bad was just bad time management. I think it could have actually been pretty decent if I. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're just dealing with a novel situation that you've never managed time for before. Yeah. So so it was like I spent probably like half the solve being like, can I actually? Does this will this work? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. 
I don't know how you would even check for optimal insertions on that without finding a... Yeah, well, I mean, so, like, I just found a linear finish for it. Yeah, finish to the, to the centers. centers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I guess since you're doing slice moves, it's very likely that you will cancel a ton of moves because slice moves are very common. It, not slice, but, like, you know, opposite face but moves. like UD. Yeah, yeah. UD yeah. kind of style moves are very common, which yeah makes it pretty easy to cancel, like, three. Yep. Yeah. Um, hard, although interesting, kind of hard to cancel more than that because yep. um, you'll have like UD, but you won't have RL on your DR axis. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, so you can really only cancel from one side. Yeah. Yeah. And let's yeah. So that was that was an interesting solve. I think um, basically what I would do is I would do the scramble immediately, just do the centers, mm-hmm. and then I just like, but I like didn't change the orientation of the cube. <laughs> So I was like, you is still you. Mm-hmm. I just have to stop. Like, I have to untrain myself to, like, not look at the colors. Right. Uh, I could have also just, like, looked at the colors and rewritten the moves later, but that made it weird with nissing. Mm, okay. Because, <laughs> yes, I also tried to niss through this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I had to figure out how to niss through the, the center insertion. <laughs> More complicated than you would think. Yeah, that's cool. That That, to me, feels like... You know, it isn't old school, but it kind of feels old school, like, and that you are doing really creative stuff, so. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still room for that kind of stuff. Like, like one of my best solves, I, maybe my PR, was on just, like, a 3C skeleton, <laughs> where I just, I was like, okay, I'm not, I, like, normally I'm looking for DRs and stuff, but I'll try this 3-move 2x2x2 two by two by two or whatever, and then, you know, just... You can, you, there's, there's still room to do other interesting stuff. Yeah. But yeah. You, you're a bit I don't more know constrained. If it's worth looking for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That and just like you're constrained by the reductions that you're doing, which just doesn't leave a lot of room for unique kind of stuff. Yeah. And also when you're like used to working in a reduced state, um, if you do something that doesn't leave you in a reduced state, it feels terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, there were definitely times where I'd, like, do EO, then do some block building, and then be like, why are blocks not just, like, magically forming? Yeah, it's like you, <laughs> you actually made two bad edges. <laughs> DR is cool, though, in the sense that, like, it's just, like, you just follow these steps, and then your cube's, like, six moves from finished, and you're like, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I uh, I definitely, I don't, I feel my, um, the amount of time I want to spend on cubing at this point precludes me from really getting into DR, but... I don't know. I'm about to defend in a month. Who knows, like what things are going to look like in the near future? Yeah, I mean, it, it. I I think I basically spent like a month going hard on it. Yeah, <laughs> and then that was enough. But I mean, that's still a lot of time. <laughs> totally. Yeah. All right. Well, good to record with you again. Likewise. Yeah. This is this is great. I just wish I um, had more cubing content to talk about that would be relevant for our audience to do on a regular <laughs> you know on the basis we used to do this podcast yeah i mean i feel like at this point there's not really any realistic world in which we record a cubing podcast but maybe we could get together every once in a while and talk about other stuff so <laughs> yep yeah just like we did right now <laughs> so yeah. i don't know it's uh there's i mean there's definitely a lot of stuff that's non-cubing that i've gotten into recently but um and I don't know, I'm still a delegate, like, I do plan, especially once all this uh, defending is over, like, I do plan to get back into delegating competitions, but I'm doing it for the community, not for my results in any way. <laughs> like, like I think my plan, honestly, um, 
because we'll be moving to Champaign-Urbana um, this summer for the job I'm taking at University of Illinois. And honestly, I feel like I'm just going to delegate Champaign comps. And that's it. Like, I just, I, I, I don't have the energy to travel for full days of Cuban competitions anymore. And like, I, I don't know, COVID really taught me that I really appreciate a nice weekend at home because I didn't have that like before COVID. I was going to comps like more weekends than not. I feel like for me, like board games are kind of taking the space that cubing used to take. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm starting to get more into like going to board game conventions and stuff. Yeah, like, and, um, like hosting public meetups, and they kind of have give me a similar feeling. Yeah, yeah. So what, what's what what what's the one that happens in Indianapolis? It, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, uh, Gen Con. Gen Con. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I haven't been there yet. But, oh, okay. Uh, I yeah. I mean, I don't have. I don't want to spend that much money on on it, yeah. on it yet. That's fair. Um, yeah, I have some good friends like, that actually. Like stuff. I have some good friends that actually do like game demos at Gen Con. So they like are working for like a publisher and like doing the demos of games with the attendees. That's cool. Yeah. So um, I, I've been kind of doing that for Blood on the Clock Tower. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Like I work, I work with the, the developers of it. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Do you do that at like your like your local conventions then? I have. Uh, I've done it. I've just done it like once at this point. Gotcha. Um, and I mean, like I work with them in other ways as well. Like I play test future content for the game. And gotcha. Uh, I mean, I've designed some things that will probably end up being in the game at some point. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, well, that's cool. And yeah, just like. But yeah, so that's kind. I'm kind of in that world as well. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. We, I mean, Champagne's only like two hours from Indy, so we definitely plan to go to Gen Con at some point um, when we don't have yeah. a crazy summer where we're not moving again. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, but by the way, both my—I uh, don't know if you know this—but both my parents graduated from uh, U of I there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I did not realize you had such uh, Illinois ties until. Yeah. Like I visited you that one time. That's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, that's that's why I was there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I mean, growing up in Michigan, I never had like a great opinion of Illinois. <laughs> um, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Is I think that there's it's like a sports rivalry thing in one sense, and that Detroit and Chicago are decent sports rivals to some extent by proximity. Um, and I don't know, there's just kind of like a general, like, I don't know, whenever you, whenever you see in Michigan, anyone with an Illinois license plate, um, you give them space and get out of the way. <laughs> like, it's funny now living in Illinois, obviously you see like a much more general pool of people who drive, but like anyone who had an Illinois plate in Michigan, like I swear half the time they were driving like 40 over the limit. <laughs> like... I think it's just the Chicago drivers that are like, oh, I have free space finally. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's, there's just, I think I grew up with a general distaste toward Illinois. So it's it feels like dirty for me to be here. Um, <laughs> like, but um, I don't know. I've definitely come around on it. The job that I'm getting, I'm really excited for. Um, there's a really good group that I'll be able to work with. Um, that's awesome. That's going to be there. That, it's a good school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and a lot of people that are interested in stat education that are in that stats department. So, uh, which is novel to me because I've basically been the only one at PSU that cares about stats education other than my advisor who also left like PSU five plus years ago. So, uh, you know, um, so it's going to be really nice to not feel isolated like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man we're really bad at ending podcasts now yeah i i okay i actually have to go i have to go pick up so yeah (laughs) so have fun figuring out where this one ends